Hi, Mali. Welcome to the Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you. Hi, Nike. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. So you're um, an expert at business structuring. Your whole MO is LLC and things. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Yeah. You do LLC and things. You help um, business owners, athletes, entertainers, correct? In creating, building, and preserving wealth. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it's uh, great. And again, thank you for having me because we're really passionate about spreading this message about LLC and thanks. I mean, it really becomes these entities that are thrown around in everyday vernacular, everyday people see them all the time. But mm. our, our job is really to dispel what they really are, you know, where they came from, and really start to educate and empower people on these, these structures are, are really fascinating and can be used for many different purposes. Mm. Really interesting. And um, when you blow, um, you're paying me royalties for LLC. <laughs> <laughs> license and agreement. So you got to form an LLC that will have the IP, and your license back right. and forth. And we all work right. out. I got it, it, you. No I started problem. my career in international tax, so I know all this stuff. <laughs> oh, dude, that's just how it's, that's the name of the game. It, it, it's LLCs <laughs> and everything that goes with it. Yeah. How did you get here? How did you get to, you know, business structuring you know, and being so passionate it, about this? It's a very interesting story. So I started my career as a track and field athlete. I uh, mm. had a scholarship, got hurt, didn't realize that scholarships weren't four years. So I had to find a source of income. I uh, started working at this really small startup company called Fiji Water. Now, this is a bit of time ago because Fiji Water oh, now is small. <laughs> a global <laughs> around the world. And I, I'm, I was like their third employee, um, just a wow. kid out of college trying to figure it out. Fast forward, I went from Fiji, got recruited by pharmaceutical sales, did that, went to law school, graduated law school, then got recruited by a company called CT Corporation. And that's mm-hmm. really where this part of the story begins. Uh, CT Corp wanted me because I was a lawyer who had a sales background, which made me a little Mm. bit different based in New York. Um, So CT Corp and who they are is they are the world's largest registered agent, corporate filer, corporate service provider. To put it Mm. in perspective, they are the Fortune 100's legal zoom. You know, they are where everybody goes to for any filing, any transaction, CT Corp is the name behind them. So working for CT Corp uh, as a major account manager, I handled the biggest entity portfolios of the biggest companies in the world. So Google, Pfizer, Amazon, Johnson & Johnson, Goldman Sachs, Warburg, Cirrus, Four Seasons, Marriott Group, Starward Mm -hmm. Group. These are all of our clients. So I managed, me and my team managed these complex thousands of entity portfolios. So over time of doing this level structure, you really start to realize that the common denominator for all these entities and all these big corporations is using LLCs to maximize profit and using LLCs to minimize taxes and using mm. LLCs to protect their assets, period. Mm. That's really when you see, despite all the, the layers of complexity, those three tenets drive everything they do. So fast forward to how we got here today is we saw that there's a huge gap in the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. small business owner, entrepreneur, you know, any community that's not the Fortune 100, to use this mm-hmm. kind of structuring because the benefits are just staggering. I mean, you could look at the TV and see the benefits. 
It's called mm. the Fortune 500, the Fortune 100. It's called, you know, Amazon never paying taxes since 1997. You know, you can just list the benefits of this type of structure. So that's how we got here. And that's why we're so passionate because it's almost like knowing the answers to the test and telling people right. to take the test. Like, these are the answers. Right. I can tell you now the answers. <laughs> these are them right here. And will you take them or not is a different question. But that's what really drives us and all we do. I'm really, really intrigued um, on several levels. Firstly, this distinction between the Fortune 100, Fortune 500, and non-Fortune 100, 500. And that's not to say that there isn't significant wealth outside of the Fortune 100 or Fortune 500. There is. But to what do you attribute this lack of, I guess, awareness or lack of usage of structures amongst the non-Fortune 500, 100? And that's, um, I th- looking at it from this lens, it really comes out, you have to think of thought process. Mm. Those companies' thought processes on every decision-making is how do I maximize my profit and how do I limit my minimize or limit my taxes? And how do I protect my assets? Because there's these huge corporations, they have teams of people, wings of offices, groups of individuals, that that's their sole goal. So right. when you come out of that, and the reason why I use that distinction is because I educate clients all the time. You have to understand how much bigger a billion is than a million. How much bigger a $100 billion company is than a $100 million company. The numbers are just staggeringly different. So with those two facts, that's why I really think it's because of the support. Most people in that space, their expertise is growing their business. Their expertise mm. is doing what made them money. Mm. Their expertise isn't to form in New Mexico, Wyoming, Nevada, Isle of Man, Seychelles, Malta, Luxembourg, all your entities based on different vertical lines based on taxation around the world. That's Mm. not really their expertise. But fast forward to Fortune 100, that's what they do on an everyday basis because they're dealing in a world of billions and trillions. And Mm. these decisions can't, you know, a 1% or 2% tax difference is a staggering amount of money. Mm, that's really enlightening. Um, you mentioned before that you, your goal is to dispel what LLCs are to uncover like where they came from. Can you elaborate more on that? Uh, thank you. That's a great question. Um, mm. And it's because there's almost a camp coming out now of the quick and easy LLC. You know, mm. get it five minutes, quick and easy, do it fast, no string, nothing needed. I see those and I cringe. And a lot of my clients who have heard this on every call, I say it on every call. I cringe because I feel that it's not giving LLCs their due weight and their due strength. Then it goes back to the history of them. Mm. Why were LLCs even created? Why are they here? LLCs were created by statute in Wyoming in 1977. Specifically, they were created because a Texas oil company wanted a better business structure to move their oil profits. And they actually went to Alaska first. Alaska said no in 75, no in 76. Wyoming jumped in in 77 and said yes. Mm. Fast forward today, LLC is the most dominant business form in the world. Delaware, Delaware, who people can think about Delaware LLC, didn't even get LLCs until 1991. So they were late to the game. Wyoming mm. was ahead in 1977. So when you look at the history of them, so you had this perfect entity 
created in the middle of the American desert, Wyoming, what is it for? It only has one purpose. Its purpose is to generate, build, protect wealth at the most highest level. So when you see a five-minute get-it-quick, it's almost discounting that you had teams of accountants and accountants and bankers working overnight, pushing a state legislator, creating an entirely new class of business structure. Mm-hmm. These things are, are a phenomenal tool, and that's why I spend so much time trying to educate, like, LLCs can do almost anything, and they were built that way. They were created to be the, literally the, the greatest business entity that exists. And to this day, they still are. Um, mm-hmm. Every country has since modeled their LLC law after Delaware law around the world. So LLC law is probably, Delaware LLC law is probably the most prevalent law in the world. And it shows you where it came from in the brief span of 40 years. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, are LLCs better suited to specific industries, specific sizes? So let's think through entrepreneur with operating businesses, investments. Does it matter like which structure one goes for? What do you look for? I think that's why I tell that long-winded history of the background is mm. because they can go anywhere for any industry. So that same entrepreneur may not think, okay, I'm an entrepreneur of my business here. I have an S-Corp because I was told to have one and I have a, you know, that's it. So I run everything through there. I have my investments that run through my personal. That's not my business. My personal takes that. That's the difference where the business mm. would say, I'm an LLC. Now my investments are another LLC. Now, any gains they make are go to another LLC to take those gains, and they're all owned by another LLC that's tucked away in a favorable jurisdiction. So you have two examples of the same exact situation happening. One is where most of the world sits in. Uh, I run my business. A business is brick and mortar. It is what I do. That's how I make my money. The other one is entities are structures that are vehicles that allow me to generate and protect my wealth and limit my liabilities. Let me see what vehicle I can use to achieve that goal for any interest. Investing, property, real estate, consulting, travel. I want to write a book. I want to think about writing a book. I've already wrote a book. I mean, there's so many different varies. And they were, and they were into each book can be its own LLC. Mm. Um, I remember running to and uh, one of the famous rap artists. I met his business manager, and he said, yeah, he has 67 LLCs. Each album is named one. Wow. And I don't have to mention the artist's name, but if you can think of any hip-hop artist who's doing extremely well, you could probably put a dice together. Who's the one entity that kind of figured this out a long time ago and now has a conglomerate of just companies. It's not by accident. Um, mm. So those are the, the differences, I think, and I, why I tell people in that situation you described about LLCs and why structuring is so essential. Mm. You mentioned earlier that a lot of business owners or athletes, you know, um, investors, their expertise is in doing what they do, right? Growing the business, investing appropriately. The expertise is not necessarily in this area of working on the business and structuring appropriately to maximize. Can you elaborate more on that? And if someone finds themselves in that area, a lot of entrepreneurs I find are typically extremely scrappy very resourceful don't think they they can do a lot of things themselves and they have a lot of innate self-belief and that's why they're successful right because they've had to figure a lot of stuff out right see an opportunity jump in there 
equip yourself with the resources to implement and then add value. But how do you straddle, um, navigate when it's something that's outside of your expertise? And what should be the steps in order to address that? A lot of times in that space, we have to take a step back and say, we know we know what you're doing and we know you're doing it very well. So let's not talk about that part. What we're talking about is kind of a universal answer to how everything should be done. So if you're not doing this, if you're doing it, great. What we found is that our real value and when the real connect comes in is when scaling is happening. Mm-hmm. So that's the one time when the entrepreneur's brain changes. Now it's I'm open to everything because now I'm scaling. Now I got $3 million coming in, $5 million, $10 million, $20 million of investment. I was comfortable before, but now I have real stuff. That's mm-hmm. really where we have found our niche is where we become almost a turnkey resource at that conversation because now they realize that I need entities. I need more because me, who I am, is not nearly can be carved up as many times as I see it happening in mm. three to five years. So we've been blessed mm. to kind of straddle that by necessity where we kind of say, okay, you know, when you're ready, you will see us. And that's been um, where we've found the most, people find the most value in us. Mm. Where it's like, you know, where do we, you know, funding has come in, we need to, you know, we're going from two entities to 11. You know, or we're mm. going from 11 to 30. Or, you know, we're going from 16 to 45. We're, we're growing at a clip. Because now we have every state, 15 different countries. You know, how do we structure all this? Before I was running it through one. International is a big, big, big reason why LLCs were created um, because mm. corporations have shareholder requirements of citizenship or addresses. LLCs got rid of all of that. So anybody from the world can own an LLC in any state. Mm. That's a really mm. nice um, added benefit for global transactions. So that's when you start thinking international, LLCs become very valuable. Because mm. now my foreign partners could jump in, own part of this, owned by a parent, and you see how it starts to work out together. And you've thrown into this conversation something that was at the back of my mind, and that is complexities with respect to jurisdictions, right? Um, and that can come from your operations being across different states or countries, or even the ownership of where these LLCs are domiciled or what have you. Or even if you're starting out and you're thinking, okay, right, I get this LLC and things. I need an LLC. But which jurisdiction? Like there's this decision like overload where there's so many op- like so many options one can choose from. How do you help business owners, athletes, entertainers sift through this kind of strategic decision making and options? Uh, that's another great question. That's why I was really excited to come on this podcast because I saw exactly where your world was. And I said, this would be a great conversation because I could, mm-hmm. it just, they marry together nicely. Especially mm-hmm. you being an expert in what you do, these questions all lead to um, real world examples. So the best example about juris, we call it jurisdictional shopping. You know, mm-hmm. where you're going to form matters greatly, especially the world found out Elon Musk found out the hard way. Most of the world thinks Twitter is Silicon Valley. Reality is Twitter is a Delaware corporation. Big difference. 
Silicon Valley will reside you in the California court of law. Different court mm-hmm. rules. Delaware puts you in the Chancery Court. Now, the Court of Chancery is a very specific business-friendly court located only in Delaware. Hence, mm. why where you incorporate matters. Uh, fast forward, the Elon Musk found out, and once the case happened, everybody in our industry knew that court's going to rule in the favor of the business 99% of the times. So when you start picking jurisdictions, which is where do I form, what's the best, you almost have to look at the whole picture of what these jurisdictions do best and how does that benefit me. Because mm. each one has their own flair. Well, Florida, for example, has morphed in from Florida being an, you know, an LLC corporation state has really morphed to be catered to the Latin American community. It makes sense. So much of their entities are, so they have Spanish-speaking assets there, you know, to form mm. this. The country codes are loaded in with that. You know, so you start to form there. If you want to form a company and you're Colombian, it's fairly easy. Because right. Florida has kind of seen that. So that's where your jurisdiction um, starts to really value. So when an uh, entrepreneur or anybody trying to get involved in LLC, LLC and things, where you pick matters. <laughs> very, very, very important. Elon Musk paid a $20 billion penalty for that. Where you pick wow. matters. Uh, if that case goes to California, he wins in a landslide. Because mm. it got stuck into Delaware, he lost without even going to trial. That's a monumental difference over one filing. Mm. Twitter could have easily filed in California. They're a Silicon Valley company. My clients tend to form in New Mexico or Delaware. The question is why New Mexico? New Mexico has seen, everybody sees Delaware as an example of what to do. Cater to these businesses, you make an exorbitant amount of money for these very businesses. Every state sees it. To put it in perspective for your listeners, Delaware makes roughly $400 million a year through LLC fees alone. Hmm. That's just fees that come in because uh, they have an incredible amount of volume. So states see this in America, and they say, how do we make as much money on these entities? A lot of them are starting to write laws that are very beneficial to LLCs, New Mexico being the forefront of that. They are very ahead of cryptocurrency. They're very ahead in almost every future tech, AI, virtual reality. Mm. They are pushing their laws to say, come here and form here. We want these stuff happened here. They had the first Bitcoin ATM in New Mexico. So, and they offer completely anonymous LLCs. That's a very, very lucrative thing for somebody in a family business or family entity. We don't want anybody to know who owns all your stuff. And admittedly, and privacy is a very important tool for LLCs where a state like New York cracks down and says no anonymous buyers, New Mexico opens up and say, form here all day. So you see mm-hmm. the states are, are, will play off each other for the end of the day to benefit of revenue. Florida and New York are the worst two states. LLCs never get formed there almost. Texas is a state that actually has LLCs go to the state tax office. So you'll see that each state is different. So you'll start to see the states that are, are jockeying can do it will start to have um, favorable laws. And that's why I started with the whole history. It goes back, these things were created to be favorable. Right. They were created by bankers and accountants of an oil company in the 70s. There's no group that had more money in the 70s than oil companies in Texas. That just shows you they're, what they're here for. Right. No, I mean, speaking to you is just like opening my mind to the extent of what I don't know. And as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, 
were oriented towards action and chasing the opportunity. And there's this usual kind of attitude towards administrative burdens and these things that slow business down. But from like what I'm hearing, it's like, well, there's significant kind of like you said with Elon Musk and um, Twitter. There's if you just take the time to put your foot on the on the brake a little bit, you can put your foot on the gas upside, right? And I'm curious for business owners that because this audience are folks that are navigating generational transition or at least thinking about that. So thinking to build something that would outlive them. If you've built up a whole empire and you've really not paid attention to structuring LLC and things, is it too late? What does it look like when you need to retrofit an existing foundation of, of you know, business and investment activities? What does that process look like? I really have to trademark LLC and things. It sounds yeah. so great. Especially I'm when so you saying. say you have a point of it for the LLC and things, I can like record you saying it. Have that <laughs> It's not me. It doesn't sound as good when I say it, but when you say it, it has a certain little je ne sais quoi when you say it. So, <laughs> back in, uh, all right, so to answer your question, um, I have a real-world example, and then I have a, a, a practical example. So I'll do the real-world example first, because uh, this talks exactly about this. So my mentor was a famous photographer named Chi Modu. Um, took all the pictures of hip-hop that you could possibly imagine with Chi. Live in New York City, he's a really uh, incredible entrepreneur. He built this category of incredible copyrights. If you think about Biggie in the World Trade Center, it's a pretty mm-hmm. iconic photograph, considering both are no longer here. Um, you figure Tupac, Big, all these guys, he has thousands and thousands of their photographs. These are all copyrights. Where do they sit? So, mm-hmm. retroactively, we link up three years ago, we put all of those entities all that copyright into various entities. We protect them. So that's something that can always be done pretty, pretty, you know, a matter of factly, as long as you own the assets still. And then fast forward, what really happened is unfortunately Chi gets sick and passes away very quickly. Unexpected mm-hmm. to all of us. What happens? Because his IP is sitting in those copyrights and the operating agreement spells out what happens next, his wife now gets everything, no questions asked because he had built it in years earlier. Just mm. for two guys saying, hey, this is what I do, Chi. You helped me so much, let's help you out. Fast forward, now his family still owns the entire Modu collection. It's all through his name, throwing, doing shows, protecting his art. It stayed with his family from putting it on a piece of paper. That's how powerful LLCs are. That, and that's a real world example of your question. That's a great story. Mm. People now who are generational and looking at that transfer change, now is the time. The mm. time is really now because now we do what's called conversions all the time. Back in, a lot of companies converted from corpse to LLCs. It's a very simple conversion, but that got you out of all that sticky corpse stuff. So back in 2012, when 2011, 2012, when I started SVP, we were doing these all mm. day, taking these massive corporations, Viacom, CBS. Um, ADP and turning them into LLCs. To mm. put it in perspective, if you ever watch a commercial with Tiffany and Co, you'll see Tiffany and Co, comma LLC. Tiffany and Co is a valuable name. They didn't want to change their name, so two companies, Tiffany and Co, and J.P. Morgan Chase and Co, petitioned Delaware to let them add Co and have the LLC because Co was reserved for company. 
Tiffany and Company, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. You weren't allowed to have a co and an LLC. Guess what happened? They said, yes, J.P. Morgan Chase, yes, Tiffany. Now you see Tiffany and Co. LLC. You see J.P. Morgan and Co. LLC. So for anybody who's listening thinks they can't do it, that's a real example of companies that petitioned a state to do it. They wanted mm. those LLCs so badly. They came and told Delaware, we're J.P. Morgan Chase and we're Tiffany and Co. We want to keep our name, J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, Tiffany and Company, but we want all the protection of LLCs to make it happen, and the state absolutely did. Um, so that, I hope that answers your question as far as people who are thinking about it. Right. Time is now. And right. it's, that it's really a process of converting what you have, basically taking digital, think of it as taking CDs and burning them onto the cloud. It's the same concept. You're just doing that with your assets. You're taking old static dot analog and turning it digital. It's no different. You're just taking these things. Okay, now this brick and mortar factory, guess what? Now it's an LLC. Woo! That's much less to worry about than an old ink with shareholders and this and that. And now I could have another LLC own that. Great. Now that factory is not part of my whole empire. I can do what I want with it. It is moved. And that's just the process of structuring. And that's really where the passion comes in. Because I just, I just saw the other side mm. of the benefits. Really interesting. And I was intrigued as you were talking. Uh, are there any situations where, what's the limitations of LLC where it's really not advisable to set up an LLC and that instead an S-Core or a non-profit would make sense? Like just to, yeah. That's like, it's, I feel like you've been reading my emails. Like that's like number one asked question I get. Really? <laughs> LLC, versus S, LLC versus S-Corp, I feel, is fighting the Coke and Pepsi battle. I feel like they're fighting that battle of just the two most known entities. And that's the number one question I get asked, which you ask right, right. now, almost every call. Uh, because of obvious reasons, S-Corps were created to help the smaller corporations. You know, so it gets rid of, you know, pass, double taxation, you're allowed to pass through to the owner. So it had the benefit. Right. My answer is, and this is the answer I've learned to give after answering this well over hundreds of times. Uh, the answer is an S Corp or a nonprofit is still a corporation. Mm -hmm. And limited liability company is a different set of beasts. So no matter end of the day, an S Corp, a nonprofit are still corps. Corps have corporate tax returns. Corps are governed by business and corporate law. Corporations are governed by federal law. They're corporations. LLC was invented to get around all of that. Now, the number one question then becomes, if LLC is passed through, I have all this income, it's going to pass through to me where the S-Corp, I could take it as a payout and not get hit with that personally. Mm -hmm. There's probably S-Corp's biggest, that's the number one argument for the S-Corp camp. What we say is why our company is called Simply Structured is that we build two LLCs no matter what. So when you have that extra revenue, guess who takes it? LLC number two. Guess who now has passed that income to another company? Now, guess what that company does? Mm. Is that taxable income? No, it's passive income. Is that capital gains? No, it's internal company money. Is that taxable? No, it is not. It is not. No client or customer gave me funds for me to spell out. So really, it becomes multiple LLCs, and that's why every company has said, yeah, you got it. I mean, there's always a need for a corp if you're told. Silicon mm -hmm. Valley, outside investors, I want a Delaware C Corp. 
There's the answer to your question. Then give the client what the client wants. You mm -hmm. have an investor that's going to give you a $5 million check with Delaware C Corp, you give Delaware C Corp. That makes them feel better. That's really what it comes down to. But as far as mechanics and behind the scenes, there is no, corporations have no advantage of LLC at this point. Um, LLCs are, are really like competing the internet versus dial-up. I mean, they are so nimble. And it's because they're only governed by their operating agreements. Mm -hmm. So when I hear that five-minute quick to form your LLC, in my mind, I'm like, my operating agreements have 24 pages. It takes me two or three hours to review each one. How are you getting past an LLC without at least giving the due diligence to observe to read the operating agreement? I'm confused. How are you doing it in five minutes if you're going to give a client something that's going to govern their entire business? Protect them from lawsuits, strategies, investments, all these things. I see a three-page operating agreement, I cringe. Ours start at 24 pages because we realize that's what you need to even begin to get the benefits. Mm. So that's why I, and with this question, I do, I get asked it on every single call. Uh, I almost want to write a book, LLC versus S-Corp, and like something like that, and just say, hey, <laughs> here's the answer. <laughs> because LLCs wouldn't have been created if S-Corps mm -hmm. did their job. If you think of it that way, right? They wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have had you to create it. And um, it strikes me that the work that you're doing requires close collaboration with your clients and potentially other advisors of theirs, their attorneys, the sorry, their CPAs. You know. Um, and onto my other question is family offices. To what extent are you seeing these business owners that you mentioned on their, their kind of expansion phase, whether it's through a liquidity event or whether it's through raising capital into their businesses or investment activities? To what extent are you seeing them being more intentional about like structuring tax through family offices? I would say that family offices, and that's the reason I think when we first started speaking, have become this thing you know it really has become a thing so i think and almost listen to your last caller there's two worlds like you have the 10 million to get in because that really mm -hmm. they use the inheritance tax as kind of their cutoff you know it's like you know 10 million is the inheritance tax that's when you really need these type of structures what i um have been seeing is a family office is much more of a mentality than a mm -hmm. true legal structure. I think those with means and wealth realize they need to have entities put in place to protect these means and wealth. And really that $10 million kicks in because that's what an inheritance tax kicks in. So, or state tax. So that's been a natural barrier to this conversation. Right. What we believe as a company is that a family office is not reserved for that group. Right. But it does require structuring. The, uh, a great way to look at how the proliferation of family offices is look at how many states have series LLCs. A series, series LLC? LLC? What a does that series mean? LLC is when you form one LLC that controls a whole series. So you could form nine of the same name, same member, same everything, hence a family office. <laughs> same member, same name. So you'll see series LLCs are the state's answers to their acceptance of family offices. Mm. We'll give you nine LLCs, all the same information as form a series. We'll form a series. We'll protect you by being a series. Series mm. has protection. So those are really, from our lens, again, at CT Corporation, we kind of saw family offices 
begin, you know, or not begin, but become more and more known, more and more talked about because our CT Corp CEOs or CFOs or major stockholders all had that need for their personal assets. Mm-hmm. How do we structure ourselves to become like our company on a personal level? And that's really what a family office allows you. But they're complex, you know, 10 entities, 15 entities, multiple properties, multiple jurisdictions, multiple places in the world. You're funneling everything mm-hmm. through. You need multiple entities. Somebody knows what they're doing with these entities to run this type of setup, which is why, again, CT Corp was the natural, and people rely on their wealth managers, they rely on their accountants. But if you look at the accounts and the wealth managers, they usually say for the setup part, that's really where your attorney sits. Mm -hmm. Um, Attorneys will say, we can do it, we're going to bill you. Um, And that's really where the family office gets into a a donut hole because they're looking at corporate 100 legal bills Mm -hmm. that also go with this setup. If you're going to pay a partner and a paralegal and an associate, to draft these agreements, to file these companies, to pull the right EINs, to have the right corresponding North American Identification Classification System codes or NICS codes. If you're going to have all that per entity, which you have to have in the family office because there's codes, then you're going to need some people to know what they're doing. And I think that pushes a lot of people back. What we try to do is everything we do is kind of a family office behind the scenes. So we do right. this anyway. We're looking at NICS codes because if you're an athlete and I set up five companies for you, I can't put them all marketing. They don't like that. Some's going to be an investment. One's going to be a venture capital company. One's going to be a property company. One's going to be a five, two, three, nine, ten, which is the good old Bain Capital catch-all where the government says you can spend money whenever you want. Those are the things that structuring has behind the scenes the world we come from. So I hope I answered your question about family office and how it spins into this, but no, you did. I I certainly um I loved your answer about it's family office is a mindset, not just a structure, and yeah. oftentimes a family office is inaccessible for if you don't have hundreds of millions to have to justify the investment income that you're getting from your assets under management to pay for all the executives and the team and. And oftentimes there may be specialist advice that you require, specialist advisors who cost a lot of cash, right? Or you might just not have the expertise. You might not actually want to have people on staff for whatever reason that may be. I think um, quite often families see family offices as this, um, the aspiration, you know, the goal is to have this family office, but they can imbibe the family office functions into how they're structured currently without necessarily having a family office. And you can think of how can I utilize my advisors, um, you know, um, in an outsourced manner or multifamily office as an um, alternative as well. Um, Or you do it yourself. You get scrappy and you... (laughs) Read your book, you know? You you can read your book, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. A lot of people, and I agree with you, they have this mindset of it's these huge, very similar to the corporations, I would say, in the black and brown community in America. They mm-hmm. hear corporations, they think big buildings, big factories. So it's been a lot of time we spent, especially in that community, on dispelling that a corporation even has to exist physically. You know, it can literally exist in, you know, the biggest company in the world exists on paper. 
that's been one of the mindsets. Again, like a mindset. It's like a family office has all these arms and legs and whistles. Like, no, it's really just how are you really protecting your assets? How are you mm. planning for transitional, you know, wealth to move? And how are you making sure that you're not liable for all your things around the world? Mm. That's really what a family office is at its pure core. It's making sure the family is protected. And it's usually done through the use of trust and legal entities and things of that matter. Mm, mm, mm. Powerful. Well, you are definitely the king of LLC. And- <laughs> Thanks. Now, you got to tell me, I got to get your sound bite. I got to get the LLC and things sound bite. <laughs> it does not sound as good when I say it. We'll first get a legal document between us before we do the sound bites. There you you know, I'm an African woman, so. I love it. I do a lot of those. Cause that's, and, I, and I'll leave at this. Uh, um, oh, well, and I see my misses. Um, licensing agreements, intellectual property, those are the future. Right. People are realizing that content can be moved and monetized. Right. So the faster all of us realize that, like you're, you're saying it's true. No, no, that's, you're going to use my voice, license it, agree it, put it in the house. Right. I, I, those are real things that everybody should get used to having because from my lens sitting back and seeing this, the future is on content. And whoever controls the IP, controls the intellectual property, whoever those uses strategic entities to do that, license agreement, they're going to have a huge advantage because mm. it's going to be, it's just, it's just that's where it's going. It's going in digital files versus where warehouses and truckloads anymore. Now mm. it's digital files. Mm. Mm. So. Incredible. And for folks that want to learn more about this space, because of course it's quite technical, do you have any resources you recommend? Yeah, this is um, it's interesting because a lot of people ask like how to see CT Corp. When you get there, they give you a book about this thing. You get to learn all these nuances of all this type of behind the scenes. I would say the best way to look at it is read books about entrepreneurs that scale. And you'll see, focus on the scaling, and then you'll really see the focus put on entities. Because mm. when a lot of entrepreneurs start out, you read all these books, but you look at their journey, you don't really pay attention to the scaling part. By that time, you're done with the book, okay, they win. No, focus on that. And mm. you'll see that's where all this stuff gets talked about. It's like, oh, when we scaled, we had a lawyer form a company here, form a company here to do this transaction here, to this transaction here. You'd be like, ah, mm. that's what they were talking about on that podcast. Mm. It's this very part of when we're getting going or you'll see, oh, we wanted them, the family office wanted to move and update, become more nimble for the 22nd century, 2022. They did this. They converted this. You'll see it. They'll talk about it all the time. But it's usually three quarters of the book done in every entrepreneurial book. Mm-hmm. Because that's really where you see this stuff. Because that's when they have the funds to go to the lawyers who keep this knowledge lock and key. There is no mm-hmm. book about this. I'll tell you that now. Because this is their payday. This is what they do. There's no book how to structure M&A. They say, call an M&A attorney. <laughs> they don't want you to know this stuff. Well, our mission is to say, hey, shout from the rafters. This is what's happening. This is what it is. You do it for free. Go ahead. Everybody, this is the way it's done. Um, so we're kind of counterbalanced to them. We're, we're not keeping it. We're open source. Mm. You'll see the article we post on LinkedIn. We show diagrams. You go, here. You know, we're not um, 
we want everybody to be able to do this. The benefits mm -hmm. of us is our expertise and, and, and just doing this for a long time. Incredible, incredible. And if anyone wants to get hold of you, um, Mali, how best can they reach you? Uh, email is the best way. Um, email is by far the best way because uh, I have clients around the world, so phones. I have, I have so many WhatsApp groups, it's crazy. <laughs> WhatsApp groups just start, and it's like there's so many different country codes. It's just like, okay, so mm -hmm. I get lost in the WhatsApp group. But we always, we can, literally, we're built to be nimble. We communicate anyhow, but preferably mm. Yeah, that way. And what is your email? M Watkins, M W A T K I N S, at simplystructure.com. Incredible. Well, I feel like I need to listen to this again because there's a lot of education <laughs> in this. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Thank you so much for coming Incredible. on and sharing. Thank you so much. Incredible questions. It shows the depth of knowledge you have in the subject and why you're mm -hmm. an expert with me. So thank you very much. Because those questions made me think very hard. It really mm. did. Again, it just shows you the expert that you are in this space. And I, I appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you. All right. Take care.